0: Attention Cannabis Radio listeners, do you suffer from chronic pain, anxiety, depression, or PTSD? These are the most common qualifying conditions for medical cannabis. Did you know that in many states you can visit a doctor online, with no waiting rooms, no drive, not even an appointment needed? See a doctor right from your smartphone. It's fast, convenient, and it'll save you money as most states don't collect taxes on medical cannabis purchases. So what are you waiting for? Go to MarijuanaDoctors.com
1: slash Cannabis Radio and get $5 off your on-demand medical card evaluation. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Thanks for joining us for another additional blunt business here on
0: Cannabis So glad to have you with us. My next guest runs a revolutionary agricultural technology company, which is now offering innovative solutions to replace conventional pesticides and increase product safety and consumer confidence within the cannabis industry. So really, you know, the area in the cultivation just getting inside the grow itself, something we don't get a a whole lot of time to go ahead and delve into but i'm glad to have our guest to go and talk about it he is the ceo and co-founder of terra vera uh he's co-founder carlos perea carlos thanks for joining us
2: thank you for having me
0: or terra vera for those who want to just say it as such uh, <laughs> so real quickly using patented technologies compliant with epa regulations Terravera is offering cannabis companies a safe, effective, and sustainable approach to rid crops of contaminants while preserving the quality and yield of their products. Now, in the explanation, unwanted pathogens such as viruses, bacteria, and fungi can also cause significant crop loss. In cannabis, one-third of crops are affected by microbial contamination at any time, and operators may experience yield loss of up to 30% due to biological contaminants pretty big number most available solutions to control and eliminate pathogens on crops are toxic or have dangerous byproducts we've talked to various guests by the way carlos here on the program and especially when i've gotten a chance to go on the road at various uh, trade shows when we still had those in person uh they talk about solutions of removing yeast and mold or also you know doing tagging through rfid uh processes when evaluating plants so talk about what you're seeing and What's missing out there that you feel that Teravera is providing as an alternative?
2: Um, sure. I mean, it's a pretty complicated subject, but to, to kind of break it down for folks, if you really think about what we want as consumers is we want uh, good products that are safe for us. And unfortunately, a lot of the regulations today in cannabis are more focused on who can grow or get a license, or who can dispense. But in reality, what we need to be focused on is making sure the product is safe. And unfortunately, today, a lot of the growers are kind of faced with a choice, which is um, not treat their plants and potentially end up with molds and uh, other pathogens that can cause to be sick. I mean, we think of even common foodborne pathogens like salmonella and E. coli as being prevalent in cannabis as well. Um, Or they're treating with synthetic chemicals where they're able to, and often these have kind of unknown but potentially very harmful effects, including some are known carcinogens. So, you know, you don't want to take a product thinking it's going to be healthy, either recreationally or medically, and then find out you're either taking something that's going to cause you cancer in the long run uh, or cause you a respiratory issue uh, in the near term.
0: So, and like I said, I have had, I guess we've talked about where we've gone through the issues of saying, you know, radio frequency processing technology, uh, things to, you know, to reduce yeast and, yeast and mold count. And I know there's have seen some products like that out there. Um uh, you know when you're looking at some of this, are there any particular processes that you see that you're seeing a lot of people doing it to try to go ahead and salvage whatever harvest might be susceptible to be thrown out and yeah, or if there's any things you could just tell us that you feel like are not effective in your opinion that as still being done in the industry that should be taken away? Uh,
2: well, you know, the things that should be taken away, and they should be taken away both through regulation and just consumer choice, are, are some of the harsh chemicals that folks are using to either pass microbial testing or get around microbial testing. I've seen people uh, dipping product uh, plants in, in peroxides and spraying them with chlorine and putting them in microwaves. Oh, my God. Uh, irradiation. I mean, there's all kinds of, of things that folks will do to get their product to pass. So those certainly should be taken out. But if you think about this problem kind of throughout the life cycle, and, uh, and I guess to, to kind of let folks know my perspective and where I came from, it's not like I started out in this part of the industry. I actually started out on the other side of the industry, setting up a vertically integrated um, group in Oregon, and then I ran a multi-state operator as a chief executive or chief operation officer, sorry. Um, but we set up in 13 states. So I got to operate dispensaries as well as cultivations in many places around the country. And this is one of the biggest problems I saw, and I happened to come across a technology from a previous company that I had run uh, in the water treatment space that had developed a, a technology appropriate for agriculture in general. And I think it's important for me and for my partner that we're not just a cannabis company. We really ultimately want to replace pesticides in crops of all kinds. We want to replace this for wine grape growers that want to go to organic processes away from harsh chemicals to food producers that want to grow indoors that are facing the same kind of issues. Uh, And and quite frankly, we think we have a much bigger opportunity outside of cannabis. The reason we're focused in cannabis is this is such a key point today, and folks are trying to solve this in a number of ways. They're starting with genetics, and so you'll see more and more growers will find genetics that are either predisposed or more resilient to pathogens. Say powdery mildew is a very common one. And, And folks will phenotype or hunt for the genetics that are more likely to be resilient two problems with that one is uh, a lot of times the, the plants that you can grow are not the ones that people want they don't have the right cannabinoid content or the right terpene content so just because you can grow it doesn't mean that's what you want to grow um, we're also starting to see people genetically engineer these plants to be resilient uh, i think that has some interest and perhaps some promise but it also has a lot of limitations and quite frankly i don't know about you but one of the reasons i enjoy cannabis is it's natural the idea of genetically modifying these plants uh, causing me some concerns in a whole number of ways. It's right. kind of outside this topic. So but then
0: now, the what, next what it comes down to is, is on the consumer end, you're absolutely right on this. But on the business end, which is where uh, for our audience, is a bit more of a business to business audience. That 30% is troubling. 30% is. of yield loss is significant. Very it, significant.
2: It, it is. It is. And so, you know, besides the genetics, the next place you try and control this is the environmental and, you know, a lot of folks have started to grow indoors or in greenhouses with you know, very tight humidity and, and other temperature controls, et cetera. And not only is that expensive, um, but it also has limitations because at the end of the day, these pathogens, these spores, they come in not just from the environment, they come in from people. So as long as we have people coming into the groves uh, that are growing at home or coming in contact with their raspberry bush or God knows what else, those pathogens, those molds, those spores will get into these facilities. And unfortunately, once you have them in a small controlled environment, they don't spread slower, they spread faster, right? It's yeah. like anything else. You put something into quarantine, as long as you're protecting from the outside, it's great. But as soon as you have an infection, it's worse. You know, it's kind of like being in a nursing home, if you will, with uh, COVID, with these plants getting powdery mildew uh, left and right from, you know, the, the neighboring plant.
0: So, let's so that's talk- the next place. Now, we've identified, identified the problem. Let's look at the solution, which is your proven platform technology with TerraVera. It's modeled after the U.S. military's approach to treating drinking water to EPA standards, a safe and compliant alternative that is non-toxic for people in the environment. It is this, that the technology mimics humans' natural biological process for fighting infections by converting organic inert compounds into a microbial solution that is safe on live tissue, yet effective on inactivating pathogens, including virus viruses. Bacteria and fungi. I wish that would work for COVID, wouldn't you think? You said also, quote, our mission is to improve the quality, consistency and yield for any grower interested in more sustainable agricultural practices. So expand on this technology and what you're offering to those that are looking to go ahead and improve the kind of issues that might be on their plants.
2: Yeah. So, you know, we started talking about this from kind of the consumer safety. But if you look at it from a business you're investing a lot to get a license. You're investing a lot to get a grow in a facility. You want to get the maximum yield out of that facility mm-hmm. and the maximum quality. And when you have an infection and let's say it's powdery mildew, which is a very common one, you may not lose your crop depending on the state you're in. You may be able to sell it for extracted oils as opposed to selling it for flour because it's no longer visually appealing to the consumer. Um, and when that happens, it may be okay and safe uh, once you've extracted it, you know, with a uh, hydrocarbon or CO2 or whatever your extraction methodology is. Um, But the value of that crop is now no longer flour. It's now the the same as trim. So it's worth about 20% as much as it would than as flour. So pretty big economic impact. And then more importantly, in some states, depending on the pathogen, they're not able to sell the product. And so they either have to quarantine it and destroy it, or if they're able to remediate it, and remediation can happen in a number of ways. They can irradiate it. They can do other things. But the bottom line is going to decrease the value. It's going to add cost. And what we really do, and we talk about us being able to remediate, but really we're a preventative technology. We really want to solve these issues before they happen because if you, you know, take any product you might consume, take, you know, beef or chicken, if you sterilize at the very end of the process, or as opposed to making sure it's clean all along the way, you're probably going to end up with an inferior product. And the same thing is true of cannabis is when these plants are sick They won't express the cannabinoids, and they won't express the terpenes in the same way. So the yield quality and the yield quantity are economic pain points that we can help solve. Uh, And quite frankly, the sustainability aspect and the consumer safety aspect and all these other things are kind of icing on the cake, if you will. It's really about economics to these cultivators. They just want to make more money with limited resources, and this is one of the biggest leaky holes they have in the bucket right now.
0: They just don't want to lose, they don't want to lose out on what they put into it, exactly. I mean, it's it's all the resources being brought into it, and then the time, and then the space, and then just all that together, as a roughly a third of your harvest going away, that's, it's just not, it's just, it's not compliant. Well, it's not, it's not, not compliant, but it's just not feasible. It just doesn't work to go and have that kind of, uh, loss when you can get much more out of your harvest every time around i'm here again with the ceo and co-founder of terra vera carlos perea here on blunt business back with more questions as we go ahead and delve into the actual cannabis testing market and a number of stories that come in uh, that you might be interested in when it comes to the laboratory information management systems if you're not familiar with that term limbs l-i-m-s and also a report of the issues where um were opiate-related deaths. I'm just going to put that out there, not give you any context to it. We'll bring that to you after the break.
1: Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Sugis now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Sugis, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
0: We're back with Terra Vera CEO and co-founder Carlos Perea. Website, if you want to go ahead and follow along with us as we talk about the the company, which is offering technology for a pesticide-free world. Website is terra Take a look at that as we continue along. The global cannabis testing market is expected to reach $1.8 billion by 2025 and nearing a billion. Uh, That was the plan by the end of 2020 at a compound but this is a real stock term for you compound annual growth rate or C-H-E-R of 13.4% during this forecast period. The growth in the market is mainly driven by factors such as legalization of medical cannabis and the growing number of cannabis testing laboratories specifically in the U S and the growing adoption of L I M S, which is stands for laboratory information management systems. Um, that's being used in cannabis testing laboratories and increasing awareness. A lack of uniformity in rules and regulations, high costs, and inadequate personnel are major factors expected to hamper the market growth. So, talk about this growing market in cannabis of these LIMSs or the Laboratory Information Management Systems and how that will definitely help to continue the growth of the industry with proper testing. I'm um,
2: sure, of course. And, and I think if anything, I would contend these numbers might actually be uh, overly conservative or understate what's going to happen. And uh, for a number of reasons, one, you know, we think the market might grow faster, especially with this administration. Uh, you know, we're, we're now reaching uh, what pushing 40 states, I guess, a medical program, right. 15 or so with adult use. And those almost those 40. Really, Virginia
0: has gotten the state legislatures yeah. to pass. So they then I think what is it, the two other states, I think we might get to 42.
2: And I've got, you know, a governor in my home state of New Mexico who's pushing for this. I'm not confident it will happen through the legislature, but on a ballot initiative next uh, two years from now. So, you know, the thing to remember, though, is that the states that have already legalized, they're still catching up. They're still really, really undersupplied. And I think the one piece that listeners and, and everybody who's followed this market should really understand is the market is much, much larger than this. It's just that so much of it is illicit or unregulated. Right. People still have access uh, in many markets, to you know, much more co- cost competitive or inexpensive, if you will, uh, cannabis. And what we're really hoping to do is, through these regulations, is move the market to legitimate regulated markets. Not just because we want taxes and we want, you know, to help businesses, but because we also want to make it safer for the consumer. And so there's a whole host of things that we want to see happen. And testing is a big part of this. One of the issues today with testing is that it's so inefficient. And it's inefficient because each state has their own rules and regs and what they test for and how they manage this. And when we can start to see not only national testing facilities that have good standard practices, but when they start to share that information, we'll start to eliminate some of the loopholes that we have today. And, And there's many of those, unfortunately, for both the consumer and also for the businesses trying to get their product to market.
0: This is an interesting story that I saw and I was fascinated by it because I think this was really wonderful. I mentioned opioid deaths. Now, why would I mention this in the program? Okay, you might ask yourself. Well, I'm going to tell you. LabManager.com reported a University of California Davis report that counties with a greater number of cannabis dispensary storefronts experience reduced numbers of opioid-related deaths relative to other locales at first-time county-level associations between opioid deaths and dispensary rel- prevalence founds. It's the first study to examine the association between active cannabis dispensary operations, both medical and recreational, and opioid-related mortality rates at the county level, suggesting that providing alternative pain management can improve public health outcomes. So the thing is, more important than ever, that testing and compliance and, and making sure that what we have out there is great because this kind of research right here from UC Davis, I'm so thankful to hear this, you know, it's it leaves the door open for cannabis to be much more prominent as a solution, and obviously, for pain management. That's huge.
1: Um, yeah,
2: I th- and I think this, again, is the tip of the iceberg. You know, I, I'm not surprised. I think the more we've done studies uh, over time, we have found that a lot of the concerns that we had about, you know, increases in, in traffic accidents because of cannab- uh, cannabis use or because of uh the fear that it get in the hands of, of youngsters, teenagers, you know, uh, pre-adult users uh, and none of that uh, crime will go up. None of that is proving out as a matter of fact, it's actually going the other direction in most of the right. studies that we've done in the long term. We've actually seen, you know, no increase in drug use for teenagers. We've seen decrease in crime rates in these places and opioids, you know, it's really one of the two reasons I got into cannabis. I was a tech entrepreneur and uh, from my whole career and I've uh, started and sold companies in different spaces uh work for large companies and I got into cannabis and I got captivated for two reasons. One is it's a it's an open playing field and you or me or anybody, regardless of their age, gender, sexual orientation, skin color, can be successful in this industry if they're willing to work hard because it's a new industry and we don't have existing winners and losers. It's kind of a blank slate, if you will. And the second reason was I'm a big believer that we've created a farmageddon. And what I mean by farmageddon is we've created a situation in the US in particular Or you take a pill to help you go to sleep, which Mm -hmm. causes you to gain weight. So you take a pill to help you lose weight. That causes you migraine headaches. So then you take a pain pill for the migraine headache. Um, You know, when I had knee surgery several years ago, they prescribed opioids and they insisted that I take them and that I would be in horrible pain if I didn't. Uh, And it wasn't even like it was a moderate suggestion. It was like I was being pushed on this. Mm. So getting rid of these negative consequences of these synthetics and in a way, there's a parallel what we're trying to do is we're trying to get rid of the synthetic chemicals that are being used to grow these crops because they have harmful effects to the environment as well as to people they're carcinogenic in many cases the same thing with these prescription meds that are engineered in such a way if you really look at it and you dig into opioid addiction one of the mm-hmm. saddest parts is it's really not helping to prevent the pain it's really masking the pain and creating an addiction and that we have a natural medication opportunity with cannabis is, is, you know, we're just opening the door. I think you're going to see cannabis used for uh, weight loss as well as, you know, weight gain. I think we're going to see it for not only relaxation and recreation. I think we're going to see it as a wonderful alternative to Ambien and other sleep medications. uh, And that we're seeing it as a pain alternative is not surprising. It's actually hopeful. Now to get to the next steps, we got a lot of work and testing as part of that.
0: And you know what is funny is that this particular story I found, I, I might be the only show that's actually even talking about this because I doubt, it, it really, it, you know, if I, I look for the story, if I just did a search for UC Davis Opioid Cannabis, there's not one mainstream media source that's talking about this. The, the school itself will talk about it, but you know what? There's nobody else. Maybe one local station is talking about it. That's, that's disheartening. Why can't people just realize... What is the haul, this backlash against the industry and what it's going to be able to do? This is, I mean, I would think the school actually is pretty reputable. And I know they've, other, they've done other things where they've done cannabis research. I've, we've talked to another guest that actually talked about the fact that we're working to go ahead and offer and provide materials so they could do actual research with. This is a breakthrough and nobody's talking about this. Why is it it has to be blunt business that has to talk about it?
2: Well, you know, it's tough to be an innovator. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, but Carlos, you, you, I'm just saying, it's like, this is the kind of stuff that obviously, well, you know, it's it's important. It, it, you know, I'll, I'll share
2: a, a brief anecdote. Sure. Um, so when I got in the industry, uh, again, I was in the tech space, and there was a, a management recruiter who was trying to recruit me to run this, uh, this technology company in Silicon Valley, uh, and I had already made up my mind to get in the cannabis space. And I was... This is five six years ago, so I was actually sheepish about um, telling him what I was going to do. And I figured, hey, this guy will like you know blacklist me forever. Uh, and so finally, he convinced me to let let him in on what I was doing. I told him I was getting in the canvas space, and there was a dead silence on the phone. And then he said, "Thank goodness." And I said, "What do you mean, Doug? Thank goodness?" He goes, "I have been taking pain meds since I played college football, um, and I've only recently, the last couple of years, got my card. These guys in California, and." Uh, and he said it's made all the difference. He said getting off of of you know opioids and other pain management and getting on cannabis, I, I feel better, I function better. And so I think you're seeing more of these stories. Um, the reason we're not seeing it in mainstream media is I think there's just still more data that needs to be collected from reputable sources. But you know I'm glad, grateful for folks like you that are kind of at the forefront of these stories. Um, this is just unlocking some of the potential. And again, you know if I told people that cannabis is a weight loss tool. Uh, a couple of years ago, they would have said, you're crazy, you, get, you have cannabis, you get the munchies, it's the opposite, right? And yeah. we're not, we're finding out that there's a lot of uses and the cannabinoids are pretty complex, the terpenes are pretty complex, uh, and there's a lot we can do with natural medicine. And so to me, the cannabis movement in medicine is kind of like what we've seen in the food revolution, right? We used to always think these processed foods were great and convenient. And now we're more and more realizing that we want to eat natural foods uh, that are pesticide-free. And I think the same thing, what we put on our bodies for medication, we're going to see more and more people look to natural solutions. Um, and and they're going to be equally effective without those long-term side effects. There
0: we go. Uh, we're going to go back to another commercial break. I'm here again with Tara Vera, CEO and co-founder Carlos Perea here on bump Business. I want to talk about one more thing when it comes to the importance of, uh, you know, really trying to, for safety is also the data that's being procured. We're going to talk about that more from this UC Davis report
1: Here with Carlos on Blunt Business after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants.
0: Close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
1: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
0: We're back with Tara Vera CEO and co-founder Carlos Perea on our final
1: questions here on the
0: program. So more from this uh, Report from UC Davis, University of California, Davis. Uh, Data is a laboratory's most valuable possession, and it must be compiled, transferred, and stored with exceptional care. Many labs still rely on manual transcription of paper records, which necessitate repetitive, time-consuming operations which are prone to errors. Such inaccuracies have significant implications for overall data quality, making it difficult to meet regulatory and compliance standards. Further, accurate data transcription is essential to support laboratory information management systems, or LIMS, and electronic laboratory notebooks, or ELNs. Uh, now, they talk about uh, you have a, a product called Vida, a data collection technology configurable to your laboratory and processes that auto- automatically tracks, records, and stores lab instrument measurement results and metadata to support better data management and compliance. So talk about this setup that you have to help, you know, again, just based on the study says itself, being able to have proper data to make sure that everything is copathetic.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it starts with not just, um, you know, it's a good point to start, I guess, jump into, we want consistent data that can be traced and can be accessed, et cetera. You kind of actually want to make sure that you're actually tracking the same things. Right. And, uh, you know I have a, a background in manufacturing I used to run one of the larger semiconductor facilities for intel um, and so we tracked everything um, to the minutia and what you realize is not just tracking things but tracking the right things uh with the same methodology because you, you know you and I might measure something and and you get a data reading I get a data reading the two different data readings and, and you know unless you figure that out up front you're going to have a problem much less the storage but what's happening with data now in cannabis, I think is analogous to what's happened just with our medical records. And if you think back 10 years ago and you wanted to get your medical records, um, you probably had to go to your doctor. Your doctor had some set of medical records. Your specialist had to go ask them for those records. There was very little that was available electronically. And now you probably have access to your last lab data, your last blood work, uh, your, you know, your last uh, biometrics online. And just like you can schedule an appointment, you can actually see this. And it's a strange byproduct of uh, COVID, but I think the quarantine is actually helping this. We're seeing more and more remote and telemedicine solutions, and even though that doesn't sound like it's the same exact thing that's going on with this lab data, a lot of the same infrastructure is is what you use. Is you know how do you secure the data? How do you make it available? And, and I think that's going to help move this this industry of limbs and other data collection for cannabis along. Um, but but that's key, and it's it, it's key that we actually have. Um, transparency in this data and the people who need to get it can actually get access to it.
0: Fantastic. So right now, as we move forward, TerraVera at this moment, uh, you introduced offerings this past year. You're working with clients now in California, Arizona, Nevada, New Mexico, and Florida, which is where you're speaking with us today. And you're expanding capacities to serve the ag industry across the United States. So not just cannabis, but the entire agricultural sector so uh right now you're ensuring agricultural solutions are compliant with federal and state specific regulations so again uh as we wrap things up take us through those that will be interested to go to web- your website again dot com. if they're coming to you what are some of the things that you're looking to offer uh those that might be interested in you know learning more about what you're doing
2: yeah i mean you business folks who really want to maximize yield and or maximize the quality of the product. Cause again, you get better pro- quality product when you're not fighting these diseases, these plants just, they're healthier. Um, but we really want to stay focused on folks who have a process control. If somebody doesn't know what IPM is, which is integrated pest management, mm-hmm. or they don't have a process, uh, we can solve their problems, but they're going to come right back. Like any solution you kind of have to figure out how to build it in systemically. So we really like those clients, those customers, They're trying to build a long-term plan for not only having better product and and less yield loss, if if not no yield loss, um, and they are driven by the economics, but they also have a mindset towards sustainability. They don't want to have hazardous chemicals. They don't want to subject their employees uh, to have to wear respirators when they treat their plants. And those are the things that we can solve in addition to. um, And so folks who are interested in that, whether they're in cannabis or hemp or hops, um, we're talking to wine grape growers now, uh, heck, we even have a really good conversation going on with somebody who's growing uh, indoor tomatoes. So those are the folks we want to talk with, but the people who are really looking to build better production, if you will, uh, and then also have an interest in their employee safety and environmental responsibility. Um, we can save people money, no question, but it's really we want partners and we're a consultative player in this. Uh, every situation is a little bit different. Every state has a little bit different regulations. Um, and uh, We're looking aggressively to expand. So whether you're a potential client or interested in general or just want to talk about the environment or maybe you're looking for your next career in cannabis, uh, come talk to us.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for making time to join us again. Carlos Perea, Tara Vera CEO and co-founder. Real quick, how can people come and follow along with what you're doing uh, besides the website? Any social media you want to share with the listeners?
2: Yeah, please uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn. We're uh, we're really managing that. We think that's the best platform for cannabis business um, mm-hmm. and cannabis in general. Uh, good information exchange there. And again, uh, we, we welcome the dialogue. We're certainly uh, confident what we do, but we're not experts in everything. And we love to learn from other folks just as much as we like to share the information.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much for being on with us, real quick. Really, really appreciate you making time out. And thank you, listeners, for listening to another edition of Blood Business. Remember, you can find the show wherever you find your podcasts, all the major portals Apple, Amazon, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, so many of the places. And we'll talk to you next time.